Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Great joy to be again with you. And it's a sheer delight to be with people that not only love Jesus, but love the lost. And if we truly love Jesus, we'll end up loving the lost. It has to be so. Um, thanks, Musos. That's great. Good. Fly away. That's right. Um, but young lady with the ponytail, don't fly away. Uh, the, um, uh, as you were worshiping before, I saw a combination of lyrics and pictures. And God's going to unlock a creativity in you. And as things occur to you over the next, I've been talking about over the next few years, uh, um, record, um, write them down, journal them. I can see you sketching pictures and I can see you writing words beside the pictures because that's actually going to be something God is going to use you to reach a generation. Okay, good. Um, the... Um, you can, why don't, why don't you just sit down and relax? <laughs> I mean, goodness me, yeah. I don't even, I don't even eat locusts. Um, all prophets eat locusts, don't they? Um, Liam. Now, uh, you might think, oh, he knows his name, therefore he's picking somebody who knows everything about him. I don't. Uh, I don't know anything about anybody, um, but one of the things I love is honoring those who serve and are in the shadows, not shadows, but in the background. And I think of the people that have um, picked me up and driven me to and fro. And uh, Rod, you're one of them. Now, Liam, you didn't drive me, but as I recall, you met me on one occasion. Someone, you t- did you tell me that your background is Croatian or something? Yeah. With a name like Liam. <laughs> How'd he get that? Uh, um... You're going to be like an anchor in the storm. And I can see you being deliberately and intentionally placed by the Lord, sorry about this, um, into situations of tempest in people's lives and going through tempest because you will draw them back to the word. Uh, and I can see you anchoring them back in because the severity of the storm has, has caused them to blow away from what the word actually says. And they're being thrashed about by circumstance. But I can see you stepping into that and saying, but, but actually let's come back to the, and it's like an anchor. You lock them into the word and, and it's like the buffeting continues, but it doesn't have the same effect. And so, what does that mean? That means that you should have a deep love for the Word. You need to store up. 
You need, you need to have an arsenal of verses for different circumstances and adversities so that you can be instant in that moment and say, hey, actually, and immediately you've got a scripture sitting there waiting for that particular situation. Build it up, store it up. Okay. Um, Rod, um, Rod I, when you're playing the keyboard tonight, I actually saw you going up to people and they had chains on them, okay? And um, one of the wonderful things about the Lord is that he often takes that which has been our own greatest challenge and makes it the cutting edge of our ministry into the lives of others. And I saw you going through a crowd and then suddenly you spot this person and I've got these chains on them and you say, I recognize that chain. And it's like, it's personal, but I've got authority, I've got dominion over that. And I see you taking the chains of people's lives. Um, one of the things that uh, I noticed was that some of them have worn it for so long it's become part of who they are. And the skill and the, the grace needed to, to remove the chain, but not to shred them in the process, but God will give you the authority to do that. He'll give you the grace to do that. Yeah, you're gonna set a lot of people free from chains. Right. Um, there's, um, where's Sam? Suffer the fate of another driver. Um, Sam, you're going to be like God's lawyer. Um, it's like I can see you in circumstances in years to come where uh, people are smart in their own wisdom and they're discussing the uh, the... It's like they're skeptics, the real skeptics about God and the word, and yet you're in the courtroom for God. And I see you uh, have coming under a spirit of wisdom. And I see you um, bringing forth the word, but they don't know that you're bringing forth the word. And then when they're complimenting you in the wisdom that you've just brought them, then you enlighten them, well, actually, God wrote that. Uh, and it's like a very, it's almost sneaky, but it's, it's very effective. And, I, and you're going to be one that pleads the case for God. Plead the case for God. And the other thing I would say too is that there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a prophetic edge, a, a really strong prophetic edge and insight factor in your life. And the one word of the Lord I'd give you is don't try. Don't try, be. Be, be, be the son that you already are because um, if the enemy can't destroy our hunger, our thirst, our quest, our, our passion, then he'll try to push the passion into an intensity and he doesn't want that. So, so, so go with the flow. As long as you're living in intimacy with Father's heart, he'll take you where he wants you to be. Okay.
pleasure. Um, where is where is Michael and Kate? All right, you picked me up tonight, right? Drove me here. Um, and although your occupation, and you told me your insurance, and that's fine, but although your occupation appears to be locked into place and solid, indeed it is, there's going to come another opportunity which will seem like a total diversion. It's going to be seem like, well, that's from left field. Uh, and it will also seem almost trivial in, the, in its potential size. And yet it niggles at your heart. When that takes place, you'll remember this word. Because you are not to ignore it. It's one of those small things that when you fuel it with faith and passion and drive will become a significant thing. All right, so let's lock it away because God will bring it back to you at the right moment. All right? Um, uh, yeah. um, my young friend here, I don't know you, but T-shirt, yeah, I'm pointing rudely right at you, yeah. Um, I just felt a real wave then of his fatherhood. And he really wants to reveal that to you. Don't know you, don't know your background, but he's going to, he's going to heal the shadows of yesterday. And, and he's going to, everything that has been hurtful in the past is going to be redeemed to become uh, a point of identification with others in the years that lie ahead because at times you've questioned why. Why? But later in life you're going to see why because you're going to help the very people have had to walk the road you've had to walk. But I, I really see that voices have spoken negatively in your, I don't know, in your childhood maybe, teenage years, but I see negative voices. Uh, and I, I want to cancel their power tonight because you, you, are not, you are not the one that they said. I cancel the power of those words because, because God's got, his, got your number. God's got your number. You're going to shine in the kingdom. So you leave the shadows behind where they belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, um, you know, do, 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 do. Errol, are you in the house? My friend Errol drove three hours to come to your service this morning. Do you mind me saying you're battling, but you've battled with cancer? And I don't know how many years it is since I crossed your path, but 
when was we did we do that course? 97. So that's like 22 years ago. Uh, last time I saw uh, Errol and I was running a, a five-week course for pastors from around the nation and he came to that. Um, but I really felt tonight when you got stood up and were praying for people to be healed, uh, Errol, I want to speak life over you. I want to speak life over you right now. Come on, I'll just stand for a second. And Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom every knee must bow, we command all cancer and infirmity to leave this body now and for always, and we declare life, the quickening power of your Holy Spirit, bringing forth life and rejuvenation within this body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Amen. Bless you, my friend. Yeah. Um, well, do you love him tonight? Who? Is no. Katie. Katie. Do you, you, you probably don't, but I don't know. Do you paint? No, obviously not. Um, the, uh, but I see you with brushes, and I, I see people painting people with this broad brush, uh, uh, and and they're saying, well, they're and they're judging them very quickly, and, and saying, well, we know who that is, and and you kind of, and it's like a broad stroke, and and I see you coming along and saying, actually. That's just broad stroke. Let me show you the detail. And I see you drawing in the detail and suddenly that person's countenance starts to live and come alive. God's going to give you a, a gift of discernment um, concerning the hidden qualities of a people's lives. That which can't be seen by the natural eye. And people that others might be judging, you're going to come through through, and you're going to speak value into them. You're going to discover what's really hidden on the inside and call it out. Praise the Lord. Good, 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 good. I want to... Why don't you stand for a moment before I... I've got a word that I'm burning to minister. Uh, so turn to someone and say, you're about the best thing I've seen all day. All right, now your rotten little clock can start ticking. Right out. The, um, oh, I, I, hold, hold, hold. Hold the clock. Hold it. Hold it. Right. God, you simply want to tell a story, that's all, but I didn't want it to be on my time. Um, uh, um, I'll tell you a really funny story. Have you ever heard of Peter uh, Wagner? Uh, I was ministering at a conference that he was also ministering at many, 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 many years ago, decades ago. And, and, and he was sitting in the front, 
the personification of, a, of, of immaculate dresser, immaculate person, you know, dignified, never showed any real emotion, nothing like that, just sitting there, just so, so dignified. And um, they had allotted for each about five speakers in a row. And we were given like 15 minutes or something. And, and I thought, that's really insane. Because I was, I was a lot younger then. And, and I thought, that's a blimmin' insane, you know. And I, I said, I looked at and, and they had this clock. And I kid you not, it was that size. It, it was like this big. And they're right at the front of the stage. You know, intimidating, something shocking. And so I, I, I stood up and I said, cursed be every clock that hangs on the floor. You know, and, and I, some such thing like that. Will Peter Wagner, le- in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, leapt to his feet, ran across the front of the foyer, uh, the front of the uh, altar area, grabbed the clock and flung it on the floor. <laughs> and the whole place erupted. <laughs> I, I felt I'd struck a blow for the preachers. Um, anyway, be seated. Oh, someone is horsing around with me. Yeah, that's better. They put me down for minus 17 minutes, didn't you? Don't you love sound people? I love the sound man. I learned very early in my ministry that there was only two people that I had to butter up in a service. The Holy Ghost and the sound man. Because either one of them can make you or break you. And uh, I believe that, as I said this morning and last year, that this church is destined by God to be a church of conquest. Now, there are different kinds of churches and all equally valid. Some are very pastoral. Some of them are very uh, community caring. All of these different things. But then there are churches that are designed by God to take territory and just keep on taking territory. And so I I see in the uh, years and even decades that lying ahead, there are are suburbs, there's towns, there's cities, there's nations uh, um, in your loins. And so um, can I just say this, slip the sideways, um, and that is be extremely, extremely intentional about those that must crack open hard territory. Okay, it's like the, the, the army is trained, but the Marines are trained different, and the Navy SEALs are trained different again, and it's that sense that I think God's going to use you, John, to, to raise up um, the fearless ones, the ones that will go in and crack open what others can't crack open. Okay, um, and if this church is going to be a church of conquest, and it is, then it's only going to be so, as I said this morning, because you as individuals live supernaturally empowered lives. Uh, um, And if you don't live in a supernaturally empowered life, Monday to Friday, then it's no use someone asking you to do something notable on Saturday and Sunday, because you'll just be going through the motions. You see, ministry is not a title. Ministry is simply the extension of who you are. 
car. Um, so a couple of the guys who were driving around asked me, well, how do you prepare? How do you get these prophetic words? How do you uh, get... Uh, I, it's 24-7. I, I don't... I don't I don't have a calendar which tells me I better talk to God today because I've got a meeting coming up. I, I, I talk to him all the time. I'm, I'm a talking compulsive, all right? I talk to my father in the shower. I talk to him when I'm up the hills. I talk to him when I'm on walking because my father is actually my father. And so why wouldn't I not talk to him and listen to him? It's 24-7. I believe that 2020, I believe the year 2020 is down on the calendar of God for supernatural breakthrough. For many, many lives sitting here tonight where you are released from what is humanly obtainable into that which is only supernaturally obtainable. But if you're going to, but if you're going to know supernatural breakthrough, it's only ever going to be the fruit of supernatural encounter. You can't have supernatural breakthrough if you haven't had supernatural encounter. Because it's the encounter that empowers the breakthrough. You're alive and well? So I want to talk about that tonight. I want to minister about that tonight because I really felt the Lord say, you've got to sow into this uh, uh, for the years that are now coming up. I believe that 2020, for many of you, is going to be the year of the Jericho breakthrough. What do I mean? I mean, we all have different breakthroughs in our lives, and they're incredible. But every now and again, we come to a time, and I know that you're coming up to one as a church, but I believe for all of you as individuals, where it's a fundamental breakthrough. There's something about it, like Jericho wasn't just another city. Jericho was a gateway city. If they didn't take Jericho, then they couldn't take the land. And for all of us who have a promise and a passion and a prophetic future, it's like we've got this clarity of what our prophetic future looks like. But I'm telling you now that it's going to be unlocked when you take Jericho. There's always a gateway moment. There's always a gateway city or a gateway situation which allows you to take the promised land or if you're intimidated by it, it defies you taking the promised land. And so Jericho was a gateway moment. It needed an encounter. By the way, let me tell you what the dictionary actually says about encounter. It says to come upon or meet with, especially unexpectedly or suddenly. And, and so I look at, when I'm talking about encounter tonight, I want you to get to understand what I'm actually saying. I'm talking about the gate crash of God. I'm talking about those moments when he gate crashes our world. So from his, from his world of the spirit world and he gate crashes into our human world and suddenly God turns up and there's an experience with the Holy Ghost that changes who you are. You see, it might be the voice of the Lord or it might be a supernatural empowerment for a specific task. But whatever it is, 
is a visitation of the Holy Spirit that has been life-changing. Let me say this quite clearly to you, because a lot of stuff goes on in Pentecost, and, and that's fine, it's entertaining and all that sort of stuff. But I'm telling you now, if you have a Holy Spirit encounter, it will change your life. So, so, so if, you, if your life hasn't changed, you haven't had an encounter. You may have had something else, but you haven't had an encounter with the living God because if you have an encounter with the living God, you will change. There's no doubt about that. It's transformational. I'm easing my way into the possibility of an introduction. Now, some of the things you need to know about encounter is this. You can't live, you can't have revelation without encounter. Do you know that? And we're not called to be a people of information. We'll be called to be a people of revelation. If you live your life through your human smarts, you'll be forever limited. But we're called to be a people who live out of divine revelation. The only reason why I can be, and I don't mean to sound my own trumpet, but um, Pastor Danielle mentioned this book, which is dripping wet. I spilled stuff all over it. That's all right. It's anointed. That's what it is. It's just, it's dripping with the anointing. That's what it is. Um, the, um, but you mentioned it this morning. But the only reason why over 53 years I've seen the miraculous take place again and again and again is because I've had an encounter that's allowed that miraculous to take place. Uh, the gate crash of God. Um, without it, we will never have the supernatural empowerment to fulfill the task God's given us. But there's something else I want to say tonight, two things. If you have us, and, I, and this, I'm going to lean more into this, if you have an encounter, what I call an encounter, it will fundamentally change who you are and therefore what you're capable of. Uh, I've seen it again and again in people's lives, and I'm not talking about a little bit of an improvement. I'm not talking about you'll become better at doing something. I'm talking it will fundamentally change who you actually are, and therefore what you're capable of. I'm going to lean a little more into that, but it will also, an encounter actually turns you into a transformer. And what do I mean by that word? Well, uh, in the old days and still today in some places, um, you go into a suburb or a community and there there would be in that community, there'd be this big steel box called a transformer. And what you know, power lines, you've probably seen them in some places, you know, huge power lines go across our country, right? And those power lines have anything between 400 and 700,000 volts running through that line, and they all come into this transformer. Have you seen them? They usually have a sign on it, and it says, if you plug your toaster in here, you'll land on Mars. You know, it's... it's 
And somehow all of that power comes into that one place and then that transformer is able to take it and distribute it to society at 240 volts each. And my God spoke to me one day, we're called to be transformers. We're called to be conduits of power. We're called to be able to take the incredible power of God and somehow through our lives break it out into the needs of society. And so an encounter will qualify as a transformer. Now, I want to pick up now in Joshua chapter 1, very well-known scripture. After uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all his people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. And so I want you to see that it's a very clear commission a very empowering commission. Uh, and and uh, Joshua ran with that commission for the rest of his life. If you take a look at his life, you'll see that that one commission caused him to run for God for the rest of his life. And I remember when I got my life commission, and that empowers me day by day by day by day. But what I want you to know is this. There will come times in your life that you, when your life commission that is so powerful and wonderful is not enough. The, the, when you face a Jericho, you see, the life commission that God has already given you is enough for the average challenges of daily life. It is enough for the average leadership challenge. It's enough for the average ministry challenge. It's enough for handling daily things that come your way. But when you face a Jericho, when you face a gateway moment, it's not enough. And Jerick and Joshua could have easily have said, well, I know what God said to me. I had an encounter. My goodness, in Joshua chapter 1, I had an encounter that was extraordinary. I, I know what I'm called to do, and now I've got it. I can do this on my own. I can take Jericho down. But he would have utterly failed. Because that, that challenge, the size of that challenge, ooh, I'm feeling these gateway cities coming up. And, and it demanded a new encounter. It demanded that Joshua have a second encounter. And I want you to take a look in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And it came to pass uh, when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand, muttered to God it off Pastor John's wall. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord I've come. And Joshua suddenly dawns on him who he's talking to. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshipped, and he said, What does my Lord say to his servant. He recognized it was Jesus coming ahead of time. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take the sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, 
Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel and nobody could get out or come in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand and its king and the mighty men of valor. And so we have an encounter with God and suddenly Joshua has gone from being utterly intimidated by the size of Jericho, this impregnable city, and he's transformed on the spot to become this fearless general of God's people and they take the city. And the reputation of Joshua spread through every nation around and surrounding them, which gave great glory to God but what gave him that reputation or oh, bringing down Jericho and the uh, supernatural breakthrough walls collapsing but what gave him the breakthrough the encounter gave him the breakthrough. If he hadn't have had the encounter with the uh, general of the army of the Lord of hosts he would never have brought down Jericho you see you can see this right throughout the Bible. You, you, uh, uh, the original commission, powerful in your life, but when you are going to take on a new territory, when you're going to take on a gateway moment, when you're going to change gear for God, you're going to have to have a fresh encounter. You're going to have to separate yourself to find that fresh encounter. You take a look at the disciples. The disciples were with Jesus three and a half years. Think about it. They had the miracles, the teaching, the indescribable. What could be better than that? But then there came a moment when everything was about to change gear. And the conquest of nations was going to be laid upon them. The conquest of nations. You see, the conquest of nations was about to be placed upon them. So what happens? Well, God knows that they needed a new encounter. They'd already been born again, according to John 20. But I tell you what, they, they, this was something else. They're going to be sent out to the nations like some of you. And, and, and they needed a fresh encounter. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, When they were gathered together, the Holy Ghost came upon them. And suddenly the Holy Ghost comes upon them. And I want you to understand something, that, that these people that were so ordinary and, and they were milling around in the middle of this upper room wondering whether what was going to happen, Jesus being crucified and what now is going to become of the and that befuddled group of men and women suddenly burst out onto the streets miracles happened they were talking in languages that had never been taught before 3,000 people came to the Lord in one day what on earth changed them an encounter an encounter and the John 20 story where Jesus turned up after the crucifixion, he came to see his disciples. But one guy was missing. He was late for the meeting. Never a good thing. And he comes in, his name's Thomas. And Thomas comes in and all the disciples start talking to him and saying, um, you know what, Jesus was just here. 
Yeah. What do you mean Jesus was just here? Jesus was crucified. I got that straight. He said, yeah, but he still came here and, and he's risen and he's right here in the midst. And you would think if you had been best mates with Peter and James and John for three and a half years, you'd take their word for it. But not Thomas, no. No, because whole Thomas's entire life was, was if and but and maybe and nah, I don't believe it. And then they say Jesus turns up and Thomas says, I don't even believe you. No, no, I don't believe you. And you know what? He said, Jesus would just have to materialize right in front of me and show me his hands for me to even believe that sort of thing. He was so skeptical. So what do you think Jesus did? <laughs> he did. He turned up. Zim, and I love the fact that he never used the door. It, it, it was just beam me up, Scotty. It was junk. And, and Jesus was suddenly in front of him. Well, he gets his knees and he has, what does he have? Only counter. One he was never likely to forget. But what happened to him? You remember what I said, friends? That if you have an actual encounter... It changes you who you are, fundamentally changes who you are, and therefore what you are capable of. And doubting Thomas, who all of his life had been effing and butting and doubting and unbelief, suddenly Thomas comes out of that encounter and blazes the gospel across Asia and India with such authority and signs and wonders that thousands came to Christ. And the church in southern India today is only there because Thomas visited there and brought revival. Well, what on earth happened to him? How many, how many years did Thomas have to go into a college to get retrained in his thinking? It took a moment. It took a moment. It took one encounter to change him forever. In Exodus chapter 3, you have the uh, event of, of Moses. I love this story because a lot of people don't realize that when Moses became a shepherd in the Midian desert, it wasn't for four days. It wasn't for 40 days or 40 months. It was longer than most of you ever been alive. It was for 40 years. Now, what was Moses' life like for 40 years? Well, he'd get up in the morning and he'd go out and there was the desert and the sheep. So it was dust and sheep, sheep and dust. More dust, more sheep. Sheep, 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 dust, dust, dust. Just every morning, predictable for day after day, week after week, month after year, year after year, 40 years. Dust, 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 sheep, 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 dust and sheep. The occasional human being, but it was sheep and dust, sheep and dust. For 40 years. Man, if you live that way for 40 years, it's become who you are. It's your identity now. And somehow the sheep and dust shepherd who by his own confession couldn't string four words together 
becomes a Pharaoh confronting leader of an entire nation. How did that happen? One encounter. One encounter. Not years of retraining, just one encounter. My friends, you, you don't need, I'm not against degrees and all that, I'm not at all, but I'm saying right now, to for you to fulfill what God Almighty has for you, lying ahead in the years that lie ahead, you, you, you don't need more programs, you, uh, they will supplement it, and don't get me wrong, you need all the training, but I'm saying that it will never, ever, ever substitute the need for you to have a fresh encounter. Because it's in the encounter that you are transformed and your capacity is changed and you become a transformer, a conduit of the power of God to change a nation. Thomas, Thomas was transformed. What he was capable of was transformed. He became a conduit of power for a nation. And Moses, exactly the same thing. The disciples, exactly the same thing. I'm hoping you're getting some of this. Fundamentally changes who you are. And every new chapter in my own life has been birthed out of an encounter. When, when the doctors told me, wrote me off 22 years ago and said, you know, you're cooked. That's the end of you. There's no hope. Go sit in the corner. I went home and I got pretty hungry and pretty, I was thirsty. I, my God, I need you now. Friends, the degree of your hunger will always determine the degree of your encounter. How hungry are you? And I got down before my God and I said, Father, I'm cooked in the natural, but what do you say about this? I need an encounter. I need a word from you. And instantly my father spoke to me about Samson tearing apart the lion. Uh, and he said, this thing can never kill you. And I, all I know is that I stood up from that moment and all anxiety left me completely on the spot. And I walked out to see Margaret, my wife, and I said, honey, it's okay. I've just had an encounter with my father and he says it can't kill me. And so, I, and all anxiety left her on the spot. Like that, that's, that's, un, that's illogical, that's unreasonable. But friends, I'm not, I'm not trying to play up big here tonight. I want you to know the truth. And if Margaret was here, she'd tell you this is the truth. Do you know that was 22 years ago, but it didn't just solve the problem of fear or anxiety for the moment, but all anxiety was extracted from me. I've been riddled with the stuff, but I'm telling you, one encounter on my knees, and now, now I can't even get anxious. And sometimes I actually feel guilty because everybody around me is anxious about something, and, and I kind of think, uh, you, you, you must be anxious about it. No, no, I can't find any exam. No, and I, I, even two years ago, waking up in hospital, and, and I woke up in hospital, and the hospital's a great place to rest, by the way. <laughs> and the doctor said, why are you smiling? 
I said, well, what do you mean? Have you got a problem? They said, hey, are you stupid? Do you not realize the seriousness of this? This is only two years ago. And, and I said, well, I don't know about you. I'm lying in a bed. Everybody's waiting on me. I don't have to turn up for work. And, and I'm having the most wonderful time of prayer. And you're feeding me. And I, well, what's the problem here exactly? And he says, you know, and, and they, he couldn't get a hold of it. And, and I, I wasn't being smart with him. I hadn't got one second of anxiety, not one second of it. But my friends, it was supernatural. It was plucked out of my system. How was that happen? It happened by an encounter. And my friends tonight, my friends, listen to me. There's, there's a bunch of you are world changers. Uh, over the next 12 months, uh, some of you are just going to suddenly wake up that you know, suddenly you know. You know in your knower that you know that you're suddenly called to do this and do that and to do this. And my friends, God wants to deliver you forever from being limited to your humanity. You're not limited to anything other than Father's intention for you. But you need an encounter. You need a life transforming encounter. And I felt the Lord just say into my heart to every single one of you, listen to me, every single one of you as an individual, listen to me, your burning bush awaits you. You see, in the Exodus chapter 3 event, we didn't bother turning to it, but, but you know what it says? It says, when God set that bush on fire and yet it was not consumed, that Moses, this is so important, it says that Moses turned aside and said, I must turn aside to see this great sight. And the next phrase says, and when, everybody say the word when. And when God saw that he turned aside, then God spoke to him. And my friends, a challenge here tonight for every single one of you is, are you willing to turn aside? Your burning bush awaits you, but, but the gate crash of God depends upon breaking into your momentum. And I know, and I'm not even talking about bad momentum, I'm talking about good kingdom momentum. I know in my own life there's been times when God, when I've been in full stride in the ministry, I've been full stride doing good things for God, but God has had a great crash me and say, will you break your momentum because I want to have a fresh encounter with you. My friends, your burning bush is awaiting you. But will you turn aside? Will you turn aside? Will you break momentum? Because your hunger and your unconditional surrender and your availability is going to determine the level of your breakthrough and the level of your encounter. Why don't we just bow our heads for a moment? Please do not do this because you think it's polite. And don't do it because you think somebody else might.
because everybody has their own perfect time and we respect the individual's unique timing in God. But if either this morning or tonight you have felt the tug and the call of God to a time of fresh encounter, and you are willing to go out of here tonight and, and sit down with your diary and your calendar and say, my God, I, 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 I'm, I am going to find a way. God, I am going to draw aside. I am going to make myself available for that encounter of God to transform me forever. Father, I will not be put off. My God, I'm making a resolve tonight that I will have a fresh encounter with you that will change forever who I am and what I'm capable of. If you come to the place, maybe you just, God, give me the hunger. That's okay. That's an honest place. But if you're there tonight, then I want you to stand to your feet and say, Father, count me in. Father, show me my burning bush. Father, draw me that I might hunger and thirst. God, I'm waiting it all up, but I know, my Father, that what you have for me down the road cannot ever be humanly achieved. I'm going to need the supernatural transformation of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm telling you, my friends, what an awesome sight this is. God is faithful. And God will, I'm declaring it to you, God will meet with you. You make the time available. You make the hunger available. You make the thirst available. And I'm telling you, my God will meet with you. Father, I pray for everybody standing right now. Oh, God, my God. When I consider the enormity of what you've called this church body to do, I realize that every individual standing here tonight, Lord, and every individual in this congregation has got a call to go beyond that which is humanly possible. And Father, I pray that there'll come such a revelation tonight. Father, as they go home tonight and they awake tomorrow morning, increase the hunger, increase the passion, increase the hunger, Father. And oh, that there will come a visitation of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. I commit each one to you. Thank you, Father. We love you. Father, we cross the line of unconditional surrender. We cross the line of unconditional availability, Father. We'll do anything you ask us to do commend to you, Father, the leadership of this house. Father, not only apostolically called, but chosen to penetrate cities and nations. And Father, I pray, Lord, for favor and wisdom and grace always to be found on the leadership of this house, Father. Thank you for raising up an army, an army Father of Joshua's that will invade the kingdoms of darkness and set people free. Thank you, Father. We give you the honor tonight in Jesus' name.
And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.